long show today as we talk about monsters in the movies and how they're made, how we can appreciate them. On and on, our guest will be Norman Cabrera. He is a renowned special effects monster maker, makeup guy, phenomenal, fun dude. He'll be calling in all the way from Hollywood, California. And we have in studio back. We've elevated you for the day. Last week you were guest. Now you're co-host. It's Kelly Doran, Napa's uh, premier. I'm just going to call you Napa's premier <laughs> horror movie aficionado. So I'm looking forward to having this show with you today and talking to Norman. Hi, folks. How are you? They're they're squeamish because it's going to get creepy. Going to get creepy. And before we get to the show, I bet Lauren Mole has a few things he'd like to say. We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at juddshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. That's right, Lauren, and you can always go online to our website, juddshill.com, and while you're there... You can not only get our visiting information, you can see some of our fun videos, you can check out the events we've got coming up, and you can put a little wine in your shopping cart, some of our very limited release wine. As valued listeners, Lauren, shall we give them a little something special? Just type in coupon code JNVS, all lowercase letters please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order, and if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. That's it. And we guarantee a good time with all the fine wines, fun parties, invitations to cool events at the winery, out and about. It's just always a good time. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's a good time. Sign up. It's the best one there is. Totally unbiased. Enough about that, though. As enthusiastic as I am about all of that, I'm also really enthusiastic about the subject matter of today's show. Movie monsters, special effects, makeup. Let's get to it. And now, enjoy the show. Everyone's a Fingal Fiend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Wait, what did he say? Get ready for another hippo. Of fascinating things to know From witty and intriguing people On Judd's Napa Valley Show No sales script and no rehearsing Live from a Napa studio You may be that intriguing person On Judd's Napa Valley Show Pardon me I'll have a Chardonnay, a marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a Cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. The end of the summer is not the end of the world. Here's to October. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studios at Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Uh, hello there, Mr. Lauren Mole. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Judd. Top of the day. Top of the day. What's going on in the world of Lauren? Always something exciting with you. That's right. Well, I recently uh, did a special event uh, at uh, Napa Valley College with none other than Artie Party himself. Oh, you did? Artie. Orale. Yeah, we, we were honored to be co-MCs for the annual uh, Breakfast with the Mayors event at uh, Napa Valley College. But this is the first year back because it did not happen last year due to the fires. Yeah, the mayor was busy. A little too busy to be having breakfast at the moment. Well, she could have been. Well, I, I think she was. By the way, what was for breakfast? Oh, oh, a lot of things. Let's see. There was a sausage. There was uh, uh, some French toast, uh, some, <laughs> some orange juice, some coffee. You how, name it. How did I miss that? That sounds fabulous. That's great. You know, we, we're, we're towards the end of sports season, which to me, I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I get excited for you because you are often singing the national anthem or take me out to the ball game at these major league sporting events. And baseball, we're, we're wrapping it up. Any big like Coliseum-type gigs coming up for you? Maybe sometime next year when uh, we'll finally be starting to sing the Star-Spangled Banner 
uh, the Everybody is a Star organization based in Sonoma, that is, which I'm also with. Yeah. We're going to be start singing for the San Jose Sharks uh, yeah. and the Sacramento Kings. That's right. It'll be your first hockey game. And, that- and my first Kings game, too. Oh, you haven't done that? Oh, you did Warriors before. Only Warriors, but never Kings. But okay. soon, another sports drought for me will finally end. Wow, I get to punch that card. Hey, why don't you once again tell everybody what Everybody is a Star organization is? Well, Everybody is a Star is a nonprofit organization based in Sonoma that helps the special needs individuals like myself uh, showcase our talents in professionally made broadcast quality music videos. And it's really wonderful. I would encourage all our listeners, uh, after the show, go online and look up everybodystar.org, which is a website that runs how often, Lauren? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's incredible how often that or, is case, available. Yes. But also 366 in case of leap year. That's coming up. Yes. And check out the video that features Lauren Mole looking ever so dashing in your white kind of tuxedo jacket in uh, locations all over Northern California, singing the hit song, I Just Don't Know What We're All About Yet. Judd, it's I Just Haven't Met You Yet by Michael Buble of Canada. Well, what did I say? (laughs) Well, you said something else. Oh, okay. Well, now thanks for setting the record straight. Hey, don't even ask me what I'm up to because it's the usual. We're in the midst of harvest. It's October. Uh, Hey, hey, no, no, I'm I'm not going to ask you that today. No, no, I close my eyes. And sometimes, you know, this time of year, people see uh, ghost goblins and witches and weirdos and I see uh, grapes. That's about all I see when I close my eyes. So I'm not going to talk about it. We have a couple of fabulous guests. Actually, I'm just going to say right now who's in studio. This is last week's guest. (laughs) Did such a great job talking about horror films. The guy's an encyclopedia. I asked him to come back and be my uh, co-host. I've elevated him. I'm going to allow you to ask questions of our guest (laughs) as well. It's Kelly Doran. Thanks for coming back. Hi, everybody. Local artist and uh, horror film aficionado. (laughs) Kelly, thanks for coming back. No problem. And Lauren, would you please do the honors of introducing our guest? Tonight. We dine on something more sinister than your standard pub fera. It be tales Wait, of on. monsters. Pub, pub fair. Oh, pub fair. Pub. Oh, like you'd eat at a pub. I got you. Sorry. Pub fair. Start again. I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll, we'll fix this in post. Tonight, we dine on something more sinister than your standard pub fera. It be tales of monsters. So stay tuned to Grub. Dare ya. We'll give all due respects to cinema's special effects with a master of makeup, Norman Cabrera. Hey, Norman hey. Cabrera's on the phone. Awesome. Woo! Yeah, man. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Hollywood, California. Thanks for calling in. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, you've just been Lauren Mold, man. That's the signature move right there. I've been Mold. I've been Mold. <laughs> yeah, you've been Lauren Mold Mold. Um, Norman, before we get into you know, why you are here. I will just say you are one of the big deals down in Hollywood when it comes to special effects, makeup, monster creation, masks, that type of stuff. So Norman, we should talk before we get into all this, just briefly, we'll bring the audience up to speed. I was trying to figure it out. I'm trying to remember when we first met, because I've known you a long time. It has been like either the late 90s, right around the year 2000, I think we first became acquainted. And it wasn't through my love of old monster movies. In fact, uh, I didn't know that you were involved in it. I don't think you knew that I had this appreciation. But it was through uh, music down in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's like I think we're, I was playing one in one of the many bands, you know, that that I've done over the years. I can't remember which one. It was probably like the band that I did with Benny, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, you know. It was, uh, well, yeah, yeah. it it was, well, I knew you from, I've, I knew you from the ghastly ones, which folks Uh check out and, um, you know, if it's cool with you, Norman, at the end of the show, let's, let's play one of your tracks. We'll just pop it on as extra extra podcast content and you can uh, let me know what you'd like to hear. But the ghastly ones was a band that you, are are, are they still happening at all? Are you kind of on break? The ghastly ones are are six feet under right now you know okay. uh, i mean the the band thing is something that uh you know since i started in, in effects makeup and stuff like that i always bumped into people through work you know people in shops or whatever you know that that also played music like it, it, you'd be surprised that a lot of the people who uh, I, I i do that i've met that i've met and i've worked with through special effects makeup you know also play guitar or or some kind of instrument you know so like 
I've always had a band in one way or the other. So to make a long story short, the Ghastly Ones started because me and Garrett Emmel, you know, who's a makeup artist and a special effects uh, creature guy as well, yeah. um, we were working together on uh, on, a, on some movies. And then uh, we, at K&B, you know, it was, I think we were working on Spawn and, and Dust Till Dawn and and a few movies from the from the early 90s. And uh, so we just started talking about music, and, you know, we shared a really strong common interest in music. I mean, we, we loved, uh, we loved like, classic metal, you know, like hard rock and ACDC and all that kind of stuff. But we also were really into uh, surf and, and garage, like 60s garage, you know, so, like... Which uh, was my thing. Surf. I think that's how I became uh, aware of you is because of my love of surf and kind of 60s mm-hmm. garage as well, and you were on that circuit. But go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we were working on 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 Spawn. I think it was either Spawn or it was uh, from Dust Till Dawn. And uh, like we were sitting across from each other at, at this shop called K and B. He's still working at K and B, and I've worked with K and B on and off for you know decades now. You know, but uh, we were just talking music. And K and B just that's that's a, an effects group. That's a workshop, and yeah, you guys K- do special effects exactly. for all kinds K- of movies. K and B is is Kurtzman Nicotero stands for Kurtzman Nicotero and Berger. And it's not a law. It sounds like a law firm, but they actually make uh, monster effects, creature effects there. So, like, so Garrett and I were, you know, literally working on the same movie and just talking music. And and you know, I, I'm a, I guess it was right around '93 or something like that, '94 uh, maybe. And and we're like, hey, we we you know, we were both into this stuff. You know, he had all the back from the grave and and all those garage comps and the surf creature. And, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and and so we just had a strong mutual interest in in uh, in music, you know, and like there was a local kind of surf music scene happening, and and we were like, hey, you know, let's play some, let's get together and play music, and 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 then one thing, you know, went to another, and suddenly we were playing in a band together, you know. So, but the band's always been a peripheral thing. So to get back to your question about the Galaxy ones, like, <laughs> you know, we we just that's something we did fun that actually went way further than we ever expected. Oh, it was incredible. Well, I wasn't surprised. You were all great musicians, and you were on drums in that one, and you had this Undertaker vibe. It was like a horror monster movie surf band, and you used... Yeah, Kelly knows what I'm talking about, and you 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 have a video that involved... uh, Holland Hearst (laughs) is a great video folks can see on YouTube. It's on YouTube, yeah, you can see the Holland Hearst video on YouTube and all that stuff. And yeah, you know, it's funny, one of those things that just happened, like, we didn't, we didn't have any major grand plans for, you know, being, a, you know, on MTV or anything. You know, it was just something that we did for fun to play, like, in local clubs. And there was, locally and also kind of around, there was, there was a, a lot of bands kind of doing the retro thing, you know, sort of Phantom Surfers and, you know, Satan's Pilgrims yeah. and the five, six, seven, eights and all that stuff. So we kind of fell into this niche and stuff, and since we like this music and we like horror movies, so we blended horror movies and 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 surf guitar, which surf guitar has kind of like a spooky sound. Oh yeah, know? it makes a lot of sense. Stuff. Yeah, so so we, you know, it's one of the things that like it, it was so it just kind of fell together. There wasn't a, a hell of a lot of premeditation to it, you know. It just sort of happened. We started doing it, and there was a local band called the Bomboras that we really liked, and we're like, hey, let's. Let's book a show with the Bomboras, and we'll play some shows. And, and it was literally that simple, you know. And, and I had done bands before, but never a surf band. And the two you know, of the, I, the two bands then end up on Rob Zombie's uh, record label. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> Rob, the Rob connection happened through doing effects. You know, like I, I was doing effects for uh, the Rob Zombie. Uh, actually, before Rob went solo, I did all the effects for White Zombie, uh, his band, before he went solo. And then... I built all the stage props and his costumes and came out on stage and monster outfits and all that kind of stuff. So all that white zombie stuff you see in the music video, like more human than human and electric head and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's all the stuff I made. If you see any kind of props or creatures or monsters or mutants or whatever, that's all, you know, stuff that I, I had done for Rob, you know, and then just starting up the gassy was with Garrett. And I was like, Hey, here's a, Here's a uh, you know a, a tape of, a cassette tape of our band you know you want to hear it it's like surf you know and he's like you know Rob was in the 60s stuff so he's like oh cool man let me listen to it so he liked it and then he was like hey let me put out a record for you guys you know as a sub label just like that through. Yep. it was it was literally that simple it was like I I want to put out your guys record and he came to a show and we were playing Al's bar 
you know, and he came and saw us play, and, and he was like, oh, this is cool. It reminds me of, you know, early punk rock, you know, like where there's like, you know, 20 people at the show, you know, and like, you know, <laughs> everyone's having a blast, you know, so so it wasn't like a money-making. He would, nobody nobody was looking, seeing dollar signs or any of that kind of junk, you know, right. it was all like, just have fun, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Ah, I don't know about the bump or uh, about the ghastly ones, but I I did hear from a buddy of mine who was in the Israeli military back in the early '90s who said that the uh, the Bomboras, which album would that have been? That would have been which one was on the the No idea. Well, whatever one that, that those were given to the uh, the Air Force, I guess Israeli Air Force to uh, oh that's weird to get them psyched up, I guess. <laughs> so great. so they, they should have given them. Slayer or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but at least that was a good <laughs> government contract. They got to sell some records. Yeah, or ministry uh, or, you know, or something. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, my claim to fame with your with your bands, I've got I've got a couple, so I'm going to just get these out, and then we're going to just talk about you and monsters and stuff. So you're, uh-huh. th- another one of your bands that you were playing drums was The Mighty Kegsman. And oh, you, yeah. you guys were like the uh, Animal House no fraternity ever, party. No one's ever... No one's ever heard of that band, and we never recorded anything. <laughs> it, you know what? It's all recorded in my memory because oh, I had you, you guys. Yeah. You guys drove out to Palm Springs and yeah. played at my thirtieth birthday, which we had at this tiki resort out in Palm Springs. And you guys set up out on the lawn. Yeah, and it was a blast. And everyone oh, had yeah. a blast. Everyone had several blasts. In fact, it was. Yeah. It was nuts. That was fun. I, I, I like being. I was. I've always been been into like the tiki scene and all that kind of like stuff and and that band really fit really well with with that scene and the tiki scene is still really huge oh like, yeah I mean, it's gotten bigger um, and bigger and it, and, it, and it kind of it it has a you know it draws like a retro vibe you know the band bands and music so it's it's fun you know like you know i do this other band occasionally called boss Fink too oh, and it's also kind of instrumental hot rod you know stuff and we have a record i put out a record to you know through double crown you can pick that one up too. <laughs> We're plugging all my bands. No, let's anyway, do it. Uh, um, uh, Boss Fink is on Double Crown, and it's it's surf and hot rod music, like what you'd hear at the drag strip in 1963, you know. And it's sort of like you know, or 65 or whatever. But uh, you know, it's just stuff we do for fun. You know, it's a. Uh, I love playing music, and like I said, I've always played in a band in one way or the other with other effects guys or other people that I know. So it, it's it's it kind of a. It's a cool uh, release outside of you know do, working on movies, which is a is a blast in its own way and stuff. But you also like to have other. I like to have other outlets as well, and music is one of them. Yeah, well, Boss Fink, man, you're multi instrumentalist because you play lead guitar on that, and it, and you even for a little while you had the former bass player for, well, he was bass player in a lot of bands, but in in our band, the Mike High Gents, you had Steve Hill playing with you for a bit, yeah, which was Steve a lot Hill, of fun. Who's like Steve Hill is like garage rock royalty. Like, he is. If you care about that sort of thing, he's played in a lot of fun garage bands. You know, he was in the Finks and the Witch Doctors and all the stuff. You know, like underground LA. You know, all the bands whose like, shirts I wear. Was, you know, the Finks, yeah. <laughs> Boss Fink. You know, I know. Uh, the shirts that everybody goes who. Well, you know, you know, know but, exactly. but but I get to walk around the winery with the shirt that says Boss Fink, and everybody knows, you know, who's in charge. <laughs> you, uh, like hanging, you like hanging around in, in LA bars with about 15 or 20 people listening to surf music, then that's the scene for you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You you know, we're going to reminisce just for another moment, because that that night at the 30th, at my 30th birthday, where you guys were the featured entertainment, that also gave birth to, well, one phenomena for me in my life that kind of changed things for me, and that was uh, the group that I still head up and that's the Mike Kai gents our old time yeah. hawaiian band yeah. sort of had our premiere that night long story about somebody not being able to make it so i said okay we need some hawaiian music this is a whole kind of luau thing so a buddy of mine who's a guitar player you know learned some tunes i sang some songs uh, my wife danced a little she's a trained dancer and we did these old time hawaiian songs and it went over well but it's our friends and families are supposed to like it but the resort you know asked us back and that just that launched us on that cruise. Like, oh, all of a sudden we've got a band and we've been yeah, playing cool. ever since. So you were there for that as well as the yeah. debut of nobody's favorite comedian, Shelly Krabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the infamous Shelly Krabs. The, who 
<laughs> who who is still performing to this day, unfortunately, and just had a gig at the Napa Valley Opera House some months ago, performing Wait. with the Vineyard Home Companion. So it all goes back to that. And you were there, sir. So thank you for being I a was, part man. of my life in and many that's ways. Good times, man. That's a good <laughs> scene. Is a very cool scene, and and like, I mean, the, you know, it's, you get together with you know just people that want to have fun, and it's all about drinking and and wearing Hawaiian shirts and good times, man. Yeah. yeah. It is. Now let's talk about you. Let's talk about, let's just get into the monster stuff. You know, how, how does one even get into this? I certainly was very interested in monster movies as a kid. I used to read Fangoria. I sent away once for the somebody's how to make masks video on VHS and, and actually made one and it was really fun. But, you know, even though I thought this would be a fun career, I had no idea how to actually turn it into a career. How, how did it come about for you? Oh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, see how I can condense this because there's a lot. There's a lot to the story, but I'll condense it as, as much as I can. I mean, I grew up as a, a kid, you know, that was also just obsessed with monster movies. I watched Creature Features and all the old, the old, you know, '60s Hammer films and Universal stuff from the '30s. And I watched all that stuff on TV when I was a kid. There used to be a syndicated program that was all over the U.S. called Creature Features. Oh yeah, of course. And that was probably one of the very first things that exposed me to this stuff just watching it on late night TV or sometimes it would run on Saturday morning and stuff like that and mm-hmm. in the 70s, you know, when I was a little kid. And then, like, that's just, like, something about seeing those movies and seeing the books at the library of, of, like, monster movie books and all that kind of stuff. And then I found, I discovered this magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland. Oh, yeah, way, classic. Way before, uh, yeah, way before Fangoria, you know, this is, I'm talking about in the early 70s, you know, I, when I was a little, little kid, you know, by 1973, 74, and you know, I, I, Famous Monsters was like my Bible. Like I, I, I was just obsessed with this magazine, and and it was the editor, like you said, was Forrest J. Ackerman, you know, Uncle Forey, and and he introduced the world to you know Halloween every month instead of once a year. You know, it was like you got to see monster movies in the pages of Famous Monsters. That just you know blew my mind. It's lo- I loved it, and I drew monsters, and I was obsessed with Planet of the Apes and makeup you know, the creature makeup that John Chambers did for Planet of the Apes and all that kind of stuff. And then flash forward to, you know, the 80s, you know, when I kind of was still probably the late 70s, 1980, let's say at the pivotal point, a lot of effects movies started coming out. And then that was the dawn of Fangoria and all that kind of stuff. And then I just upset was obsessed with those movies, the stuff that was coming out in the 80s, The Howling, American Werewolf in London, oh, All yeah. the States, Cat People, John Carpenter's The Thing, The Fog. All these monster movies, and like I wasn't a slasher guy, you know. Like I liked movies that had monsters in them. So Kel- I got to Kelly. Go... <laughs> Kelly's smiling at I'm, me because I'm we giving myself whiplash, nodding. Yeah, because we, t- <laughs> we, we we talked about this on last week's show about the the monster movies, the scary movies that we like, and we we're definitely all on the same page here. Yeah, and there's you know those flat slasher movies are fine, whatever they they serve their purpose, and you know it's like. But I was not I was not like a slasher guy. Like to me. The movie Halloween isn't the, the be-all, end-all, you know, of, of horror movies. To me, like, American Werewolf in London and The Howling and, and the uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, like, those are the movies I, I worship, you know, like, I, you know, pray at the temple of those films, you know? <laughs> and it's sort of like, that's what got me into what I do. So, you know, I, I just, I started making my own masks at home, just reading about guys like Rick Baker and Dick Smith and Rob Boutine, and I was just got insanely inspired at, at, a, at about the age of 15. Did you have Dick There's Smith's this. book, the name of which is escaping me right now, but I had it yep. at some every, point? I think every every kid that was into monsters had that book. Dick Smith, yeah, of the, course, a famous the, uh, makeup artist and special effects monster, guy. Yeah, what, exactly, what? the Monster Makeup Handbook, which was That's put it. out by, by yep. famous monsters originally. Oh, what a and, great um, book. Yeah, Dick Smith's Monster Makeup Handbook was like the primer for a lot of guys like me, you know, who wanted to know how to do monster makeup and and it showed very very simple ways of doing makeup with stuff you can you know virtually find in your mom's kitchen you yeah know? stuff you can so, find at home yeah exactly so it's really low tech and, and it was it, it definitely was one of the main things that i saw but there was also a magazine called cinemagic which mm, had yeah. more advanced stuff for like for amateur super eight filmmakers and stuff like that and they had a really great article on how to make masks by a, a guy named kirk brady and I picked this up and I was just like, that was like the key for me. Like, this is how you make a mask. Like, this is how you make a latex over the head, rubber latex mask, you know? And 
and it was it, it just was a it, it opened my eyes to this world of like I could make monsters in in you know my grandpa's tool shed in the back you know <laughs> like a, I, I grew up in South Florida you know I had didn't have resources or any way to get the stuff but I found you know places that sold plaster I found places that sold latex and so on and so forth and just learned to make masks of my own so and then, uh, I mean, that's, you know, the, that's phenomenal that you took it to that level as a, as a hobbyist. And before we go any further, I'm just going to read a few of your credits only because we didn't really establish this. That I just said you're kind of a big deal guy, but you really are. I mean, going way back, coming to America, that's not a monster film, but the makeup in there is incredible with Eddie Murphy playing all the different characters and the different ages mm-hmm. and whatnot. Gremlins 2, uh, Men in Black 3, The Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead, one of the Star Trek movies. You have to remind me which one. Mm-hmm. But Hellboy, what's that? No, Hellboy 1 and 2, yeah. I mean, these are all big. Cabin in the Woods, which we talked about last week, uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Worked Harry with and the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. You've worked with directors like Guillermo del Toro, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Robert Rodriguez. I mean, this, this is big stuff. So how does it happen from a, uh, from a, a kid in South Florida becoming... Yeah, and, and literally a kid. I mean, you started as a yeah. professional at a very early age. How did you make that leap? Um, I want to know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like it, it didn't happen overnight. You know, I mean, I did. I was determined to impress Rick Baker, who was my oh. hero, you know. All right, quick, Baker, quick lesson. Okay, go ahead. Tell everyone who Rick Baker is. We talked about him last week, too, but one of my favorites as well. Well, Rick Baker is, is, is the, you know, the guy, one of one of the main people responsible for the, the leap in, in, in special effects makeup in the 80s. I mean, he, you know, he won the first Oscar for America, World in London, but he went on to win seven or eight Oscars or something like that for, for all kinds of stuff. And Rick was like, you know, my mentor, you know, like he basically what went down was I wanted more than anything else to impress Rick. So at the time that America, World in London was happening, they were doing all this press for it. So on a fluke, I saw one of these press, one of these things on PM Magazine, which was like just a local news program. It's like tonight, Rick Baker, blah 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 blah, you know. And so I watched the show, and at the after I watched the show, there was a post office box number. So it's just completely on a fluke. I sent this letter to post office box number for the show, addressed to Rick Baker, like attention, could you forward to Rick Baker? You oh. know? And, and I had photos of my mask that I had done at the time I was 17 years old. So wow. I, I sent this picture, these, these pictures of my master Rick, and lo and behold, like, I mean, it was forwarded to him. Two weeks later, <laughs> I got a phone call from Rick Baker to my home in South Man. Florida. <laughs> I, I, and I was kind of like, whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah, what could have been going through your mind? Like, you're basically the guy that you idolize and have been wanting to impress is now calling you at your house. Yeah, and, and Rick was very cool about that. He was very cool about encouraging you know, uh, younger people, because he had gone through the same thing himself with with Dick Smith. Dick Smith, you know, encouraged him and, and, and prodded him basically into getting into what he does. So I think Rick was definitely one of these cool, very cool people who was about, great about passing it forward, you know, to the next generation, you know. So he called me, and, you know, and lo and behold, I'm you know sitting here at home at se- I'm 17 years old on a Saturday morning, you know, and, and like my mom picks up the phone and she's like, it's Rick Baker. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, I, was like uh, I thought it was a friend of mine, like, joking around, you know? Yeah, what and, was the conversation? Like, Yeah, so I picked up the phone, and, and it was Rick. And Rick was like, hey, I got your pictures of your masks, and I just want to say your stuff's very cool. Keep up the great work. Here's the number to the shop. Write it down. Uh, here's the address of the shop. If you want to, like, you know, send pictures of your stuff, send it directly here. And just keep in touch. And and if you ever come out to L.A., look me up, not look me up, but get call me up and say, hey, I'm coming to L.A., and you can take a tour of the shop. You and know? by the so time like, he was saying goodbye, you were already knocking at his door in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? By, the time I, by the time I hung up the phone, I had already booked a flight out there. Yeah. Know? So, so uh, not, no big surprise, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. I went and I met, I met Rick. I took him one of my masks and stuff like that. So we had a correspondence for about... I would say roughly about a year. And in the interim, I worked on a low-budget horror movie in Florida called Scarecrows. And it was like a low-budget, straight-to-video thing, but kind of got a cult following and stuff and everything. I haven't, I haven't seen that, but I, I know of that movie. So Yeah, Scarecrows was like, you know, my first movie. I did it when I was like 19 years old. It was a low-budget movie, but it was shot on 35. And, and it's actually pretty good. It has a cult following. 
the, the, the DP, Peter Deming, went on to shoot, you know, Evil Dead 2 and, mm. and all the Sam Raimi stuff. It, the movie looks really good. Uh, and, and it's a fun, low-budget 80s movie, you know. So I did that movie during that time, and then I was ready to move to L.A. And then when I moved to L.A., I gave Rick a call, and, and it just so happened he was like, I, I could use you on this job, and, and, and uh, he gave me a job. You know, I, I landed on a Friday, you know, like, and he said, give me a call when you get here, you know, and I think I could have you start on something right away. And I was, like, super stoked, so I land on a Friday, and I didn't know anybody in L.A., you know, and, and a friend of my brother's who he, who he went to high school with, you know, somebody I didn't really even know that well, was like living in L.A. And it's like, hey, you can crash on my sofa, you know, or whatever. So I was like, cool. So this guy picks me up. So this guy named Alex goes, uh, okay, take this shuttle from LAX to Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, get off on Hollywood Boulevard and I'll pick you up there. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> it was like, it was like, it felt like, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses, welcome to the jungle. Yeah, you know? I can only imagine. <laughs> I was like, stepping off this bus, you know, like uh, in, in, in 1985, August of 1985 into, off the Hollywood Boulevard, you know, and it was, it was an, ex it was an experience. When I look back and I'm like 20 years old, doing this i actually even kind of surprised myself that i did that it's so, it's uh, <laughs> it's gutsy bit it's obviously it's what you were born to do hey norman hold on we got to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and find out a little bit more about you and uh, what it takes to create the monsters of movie dumb all right awesome sounds great you're listening to judd's napa valley show we'll be right back after these messages It's always Finkalicious on Judd's Napa Valley Show. 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 You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. You're listening to 1440 KVON, the voice of Napa Valley. Now... Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you, Lauren Mole. And we have on the phone from Hollywood, California, big deal special effects makeup guy, Norman Cabrera. <laughs> big deal. Really big deal. Yeah, he's a real big deal down there in Hollywood. And he really is. Uh, if you've been listening to the first part of the show, you've, you've heard some of his credits. Uh, we can go over, well, you just listen to the first part of the show again. I'm not going to take time going over it. You're, you're one of those guys. You're just, just, in fact, Kelly, who is here, Kelly Doran, is a... Uh, helping me co-host this show as he's our local horror film aficionado. And he let me know that he, you and he actually, I think, had a brief meeting at Monster Palooza. You went and said hi over well, at Norman's I, booth, right? Actually, I, I have never met Norman. Uh, oh, my. I didn't meet him at uh, Monster Palooza. I was at Monster Palooza. Oh, my misunderstanding. But it was, it's kind of funny because you were talking about Rick Baker earlier, and I actually got the chance to meet Rick at Monster Palooza oh, this maybe year. maybe that's what I was thinking. And... It I can't imagine what it was like calling him when you're like 17 or 18, like you did. Because I mean I'm in my 40s and I saw him in the Monster Palooza Museum, the gallery there, and it was all I, I could do to move my feet to like walk over and kind of <laughs> go, yeah, hi, hi, Mr. Baker, I'm uh -huh. a really big fan yeah. of yours, and he was he was the nicest guy. He yeah, was just he's great. Yeah, I mean he was he was checking out the displays and was like, "Oh, hi. How are you?" and you know, got a photo with him and I was walking away kind of like trembling like one of the people <laughs> that I I've watched all of his movies and he yeah. I got to shake his hand. It was <laughs> it was great. But Yeah, yeah no that's not, he he's the man. I mean, he really is. I I love Such a nice he's guy. Like, he's like a father to me, you know, and he's my mentor and he he gave me my start in this business and and you know, I mean, that, what can I say? I, I can't say enough about Rick. He's amazing. You know? Let's talk about monsters. It's Halloween yeah. time. Kelly, I'm going to turn this over to you a little bit. I'll pop in from time to time, but this is really, 
as much as I love monster movies, I mean, you love <laughs> monster movies. Yes, I and do. And I know you've got a million questions. I so d- why don't you take the take the wheel for a bit? Well, I was looking over, you know, I... I know some of your work, but I went deep and was looking at some of your other stuff that you've been that you've done in your career, and I'm I was like, oh, he did that! Oh my gosh, he did that! Like you did the you did one of my favorite makeups in Rob Zombie's video for I'm Your Boogeyman. Oh yeah, the, you did the uh, the rat fink kind of weirdo yeah. looking characters. I oh, yeah, those are amazing sculptures oh, yeah, that you were, did those are a lot of fun man those are a lot of fun that's and those are total tribute to to big daddy rob you know yeah. I mean, like i think i think it was like one of those videos like with rob's videos they're so <laughs> weird and abstract like anything goes so so uh, um it, it was like you know what do you want to make and i was like i want to make some rat monsters you know like <laughs> he's like okay you know and he was probably some a full, perfect some fulci zombies you know sure okay let's make those too you know so like I think a lot of people love those those rap things, guys, and it's something I always wanted to do, like as, as like living, breathing rap thing characters, because I'm like a massive fan of Big Daddy Roth, you know. So, and it's hilarious because I think for a long time before people knew where those came from, I would see all these rumors online, like, and I would read them, but I would never comment. And this was back in the MySpace days. I would see people like, look at these things they're from like some bizarre russian movie like from the 1930s <laughs> or so or you know like you know like people would come up with these weird scenarios where this stuff came from but i would just just grin and just read the comment <laughs> and like not chime in at all you know like, you had the satisfaction awesome, that you'd made let, these let the, things yeah like let the myth of that happen but now you right. know, people know you know because instagram and all these different things people can find out uh, about anything, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I did those things and all the other stuff for that was for White Zombies. I'm your boogeyman. I'm also the the horror host in that too. So if yep. you watch the very beginning of the video, it's a, isn't it Doctor Wolfenstein? Doc, no, Doctor Spooky. I play oh, Dr. that's right. Spooky. And then and then um, what's funny is that people had theories about that too. Like like they some people was like that's that's uh, um, Tim or uh, Jim Carrey. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Jim Carrey, like, like really, like Rob would be able to afford Jim Carrey to play a horror host, you know, like, you know, it's as funny as hell, you know. But you also did creatures in, well, you did, you worked on Harry and the Hendersons, mm-hmm. which has a, it's, I love that movie because I'm totally into Bigfoot, the mythology of Bigfoot, yeah, and Legend of Boggy Creek cracks me up. But you also did like for the Ramones, you did a pinhead costume for the Ramones. Yeah, you did. You one of the, when you say. Uh, go ahead. No, it's. I'll uh, say Pinhead. Are you talking about like Schlitzy from yeah, Freaks? They, it was in of? one of their videos. They had oh. a costume. The Ramones that was, Pinhead, yeah. Yeah, oh. the Ramones Pinhead costume. That type. Of, oh, okay. Harry and the Hendersons was the first movie I worked on for Rick Baker. You know, I mean, that was oh, like wow. my. That was my maiden voyage, so to speak, you know, for Rick. I mean, I he had done a movie prior to that, which nobody had ever heard of, you know, called Rat Boy. You know, <laughs> it like it fell into obscurity. It was. It was actually produced by Clint Eastwood of all. Yeah, people. it was. Uh, wasn't it yeah. directed? Sandra Locke. Sa- yeah, yeah, it was directed, directed by Sandra Locke. Directed by it's Sandra Locke, and the then like yeah. when when I started working, the first the first couple of weeks that I worked for Rick, he was finishing up Rat Boy, and then he's like, you know, you know, we're gonna do this movie, which is Universal. It's produced by Steven Spielberg, and it's called Harry and the Hendersons. You know, and I was like, wow, this is gonna be great. I, you know, that was like my first big movie, and that was my first on-screen film credit too you know which yeah. is like really cool you know and it's so. kind of it's kind of rick baker's wheelhouse because he got really famous with doing like apes and monkeys he did i think he did stuff for um, great stoke and, and yeah great stoke and, and gorillas yeah. of the mist i worked um, on gorillas of the mist with rick baker as well and rick's known as like like the ape gorilla guy i mean that's yeah his, that's his one of his fortes i mean he could do everything he's like the master of 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 primates and uh so yeah i mean that was that was that was a lot of fun and wasn't wasn't the the, the famous guy in the gorilla suit was bob burns though right yes in which gorilla, it, are, are you talking about uh tracy the gorilla from uh, ghostbuster no i'm Original? just i'm just talking about in general the guy in the gorilla suit bob burns well uh, bob bob burns bob burns is like one of them yeah bob burns was one of the gorilla suit actors uh from the 60s anytime know, they the need a gorilla 70s. for like Gilligan's Island right. or something. They... Well, that was actually somebody different, believe it or okay. not. I mean, I, 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 that, uh, see, I know, uh, I know uh, a lot about this stuff just because I'm obsessed with it, too. Uh, 
got the, 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 when you see the ape in, in Gilligan's Island, it's not actually this guy named Janos Prohaska. You know? Oh Janos my gosh, Prohaska, she knows the guy's name. I love this. <laughs> Janos Prohaska was also the ape in, uh, in um, uh, Bikini Beach, you know, the, um, uh, the, the beach party movie, you know, with, the, with Frankie and, and Annette, you know. And Janos Prohaska was also uh, the Mugatu in Star Trek. You know, so like probably the the most famous gorilla actor or ape actor is probably Janos Prohaska. You know, like and um, you know, there's a few of them. You know, there's Charlie Gamora, but Bob Burns was also you know a very well known gorilla actor, primarily because he played Tracy the gorilla on the original Ghostbusters. There was a TV comedy show that was a, a exactly show with uh, Forrest you know? Tucker and um, Larry Storch yeah. and Larry Storch. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, and, and, uh, but, and Bob is one of the one of the greatest people on earth. He's like the ultimate monster kid. Like, well, he I love his whole I have not been. You probably have been to his house, but I hear it's yeah. it's it's like beyond the most amazing museum of uh, movie or horror movie memorabilia you could ever oh, hope yeah. to experience. He has the greatest collection of of anybody. I mean, he has the original King Kong armature. You know, the Willis O'Brien. You know, like armature he owns that you know he owns lily munster's you know get out outfit from the munsters you know he owns well, he the time be- machine he owns you know rick baker's early masks i mean uh, he owns the stuff from aliens you know on and on and on i mean he the guys that have every cool thing that anybody could ever want he's like the ultimate monster kid and he know? would always do like halloween uh haunted house yeah. displays at his house like he did one back when alien came out that used like real parts of the set in costumes yeah. and you <laughs> yeah. know he he yeah. had famously had like the the shuttle from alien on the side of his house and like they ended up like refurnish refabricating it and they had like yeah. they had to i think they found like possum skeletons inside of it yeah. because it had been sitting there for so long oh yeah only no, adds Bobby, to the atmosphere he's, he's great he used to do these great Halloween things, and then he did one more, kind of more recent. But most of those ones were done in the in the early, late seventies, early eighties. And Rick Baker, he'd get you know all these like you know guys who were his friends to work on Halloween stuff and for his for his Halloween display in front of his house. You know, like because he knew guys like Rick Baker and Jen Danforth, and and you know on and on and on. You know, like uh, you know, so you know. But Bob's the greatest. He's he's. He's such a great guy. I love him. Cool. Glad to hear because he's certainly a man of legend. When you are when you get an assignment, you're working on a movie. How do you approach? How do you approach it? Like how do you approach creating movie monsters? That's a big responsibility. These people who are into their uh, monster movies are passionate, and you've got to you got to satisfy them. Yeah. How do you? How do you do it? The big thing is the big thing about it is 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 when, when somebody asks me that question, you know, the, the, the first thing that pops into my head is that, um, you know, when you're a kid and you want to make monsters in, in your shed or garage or your bedroom or basement, you're making it for yourself. And when you're making it for yourself, you know, you could do whatever you want, you know. But when you're working on a film, you're working in the situation where it's like the, the pressure is on, you know, suddenly it, it goes from you're playing a guitar in your bedroom and then suddenly you're at Shea Stadium fronting Van Halen, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like, it, it is like that, you know, like you, you go from making monsters in your bedroom to suddenly making monsters for the movies and the pressure is on, you know? Yeah. So there, there's a different, it's a different level of, of pressure. It's a different level, level of creativity. And you're ultimately trying to satisfy the directors and the producers and, and the, and, you know, you have to follow the screenplay. So, also, you know, you're really following what they want you to do, but you try to pump as much of your creativity into it because that's what they hired you for. You know, they hired you to make their creature for them. You know, it's that balance of, like, I want to infuse as much of, of me into this as I can, but you're still ultimately making it for someone else and you have to satisfy someone else. So it's that balance, you know, and there's times where I've worked on stuff where it was incredibly satisfying, you know, like working for Guillermo del Toro, for example, on both Hellboy movies. And on the second Hellboy movie, I did this, the Angel of Death, you know, that was on uh, this actor, Doug Jones. And that was like just really it's a beautiful sculpture. Creatively satisfying because Guillermo was like, I want you to think outside the box. Like think of every Angel of Death you've seen in other movies and don't do anything like that. Don't do anything we've seen before. You mm. know, do something creative. 
And he had his parameters. You know, he's like, I wanted to have two sets of wings, and the wings got to be in the eyes. And he had, like, all these wacky ideas, and you have to filter all that stuff and then make it into a cohesive design, you know? Sounds um, like fun. And, but I love that kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, to me, that's like, to me, I love that challenge, and I love the thinking outside the box approach to things, you know? So that's, that's, that's how you approach making monsters. You know, you want, hopefully work on a movie that they, they not only expect that from you, but they want you to do something that's really wild that no one's ever seen. So, get, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's the fun part. Of it. Do you ever get, uh, actually, no, I'm not going to go for the negative. I was going to ask something maybe that you didn't enjoy, but let's, are, are there, let's go the other way. Well, but, there's always stuff you, you know, uh, there's always, just to answer your question, you know, not to avoid that question, there's always going to be stuff you don't enjoy doing. You know, it's, it's not like every day you're like, wow, man, you, you, there are projects where you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't wait for this to be over. But that's like in, in any job, you know, like, I mean, you know, there, there's going to be the movies. The, a lot of times there's disappointments. Like, for example, you do something that's re- that you think is really cool, and then maybe somehow it doesn't end up in the movie or it's shot poorly or, you know, there's a million different reasons why some uh, a particular project could not go well, you know, so... Uh, you know, it's not always wine and roses, you know, but well, no, when, I'm, you do, when, well, you, when you do get really cool projects like working for Guillermo, for example, or like Cabin in the Woods, for example, like doing the werewolf for that, you know, like stuff like that, you're just like, man, this is, this is where all, you know, all cylinders are firing on, on full potential here, you know, like probably like, there's probably you things know, that have been in your sketchbooks and stuff that you've like, I've been waiting for somebody to hire yeah. me for this job. Yeah, and then, you know, you also work with, and you also, there's a team, you know, it's never just me either, you know, like, it's not just, there's no single human being does any of this stuff, you know, it always requires a team, you know, like, for me, my position on movies is always the lead artist, lead sculptor, or designer, or a combination of thereof, so, but it's always a team effort, you know, like, it's, it's never like one guy did everything, you know, like, you have, on Cabin in the Woods, for example, you have, like, there's a mechanical department, then there's a, a costume fabrication and seamstress department, there's a hair department, there's a, a foam latex department, there's a mold department, you know, like, and, you know, there might be 30 or 40 people work, working on one creature, you know. It's always a team effort, and that's filmmaking. It's filmmaking is a team effort. I have a, I have a question that might I'm interested to know. Of all the movies that you haven't worked on, what what movie monster would you have loved to have been able to get your hands <laughs> oh, that's, onto? That's, well, that's really, really, really easy. I I mean, I would have loved to have been on Rick's crew for America Werewolf in London. Called like, it, I Lauren. Mean, what did I write down right here? Werewolf, <laughs> yeah. werewolves. He's mentioned I mean, werewolves on. about if four was, times this this show. Was, I mean, I, you know, if you ever if you look at if you look at my Instagram or you look at anything or you know the stuff that I've done, is I'm you know I'm really Totally obsessed with werewolves and the things that like the two movies that inspired me more than any other movies were American Werewolf, uh, which were the effects was headed up by Rick Baker and the and the Howling, which the effects were headed up by Rob Bottin and also with a lot of makeup also done by Greg Cannon, you know, and and those movies like some either one of those movies, if I wasn't old enough to work on either one of them because I was still like fifteen or sixteen when those movies came out. But those were the movies that inspired me, you know. So if I were to, you know, say I, I could, you know, the magic time machine where they would put me in a place, it would probably be American Werewolf or The Howling. You know, probably American Werewolf just because, you know, Rick is my mentor, you know. So, but that or The Howling or, you know, if I were to go further back than that, it would probably be the original Planet of the Apes and, and John Chambers stuff, mm. you know. So, yeah, I think um, those were the first, I think that the Planet of the Apes were the first movie where I realized wait a minute, they've, somebody has to make these masks. Yeah. And they've got to yeah. put these on actors. I think they even did like a behind-the-scenes showing oh, how yeah. they put the makeup on Roddy McDowell and the oh, different yeah. characters. Well, they, there's actually, there's actually um, it's funny that you should mention that because that was one of the very first things I ever saw as a kid on television. Now, I, I'll, a quick story. I was, I was watching Beneath the Planet of the Apes on TV, and I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. And then the, it was on a Friday, it was like a Friday night, you know, movie, blah, 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 you know, like uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And then the movie ended early and they showed this little vignette, like a little 10 little minute long vignette of John Chambers. They're making up, and it's not Roddy McDowell, they're making up this 
uh, it was like a test makeup they did on this Asian guy. Uh, and it's beautiful. They show them doing the light cast and applying the pieces and all that stuff. And that just completely blew my 10-year-old brain into like a gazillion pieces, you know? I was like, wow, this is what... And I would think probably if there was the very first seed that was planted in my brain was that moment right there when I saw, you know, my, I was 1974, you know, it's like I, my 10-year-old brain saw, you know, John Chambers making up a guy as an ape, you know, and I was like, and I was completely obsessed with Planet of the Apes. Like every sketchbook I had, was planted in the age. That's you know? the epiphany. That's great that yeah. you have that moment and you have the recollection of it. That's powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just like, that's it. This is what I'm going to do, you know? And then the 80s cemented it, you know? Mm-hmm. With all the other stuff we talked about. Um, yeah. I've, those, the 80s, you mentioned the howling with Rob Bottin. Of course, he did the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually worked himself into exhaustion doing the thing. He had yeah. like, be hospitalized after because oh, he was working. Right? He was working so yeah. intensely. Oh man! On these, yeah. well, and they also they had refrigerated studios. Uh, yeah, because it the takes Arctic, place in the Arctic, or... and going back and forth between like it was in the middle of summer, so they were in like basically refrigerated warehouses, and mm-hmm. he had to go in and out of these studios, and they he, like I think he got like pneumonia. Oh jeez! And was working through that, so he just yeah. collapsed eventually. But yeah. it's brilliant work. Oh, it's that, that stuff is so incredibly inspiring. The Thing was also another one that was a massive game changer for me. Now, another movie I didn't bring up the other day when I was talking with Jed about horror films, but the British movie Attack the Block has some of the most yeah. bizarre-looking, creepy aliens that came out recently, and you worked on that one too, didn't you? Yeah, I worked on that one. I, I worked That was done over at, at Spectral Motion. Um, Spectral Motion is, a, is one of the companies that I've done a lot of stuff for, um, and I'm actually working right now on a film for Spectral. And uh, Mike Alzaldi is a great guy. You know, he runs that company, and, it's, and he's, like, started his business on Hellboy, and that was the first movie I worked on with him uh, uh, on that. But prior to that, I had worked with Mike on other stuff as well on, in, in various shops and things. But, you know, his shop is fantastic, and they held uh, Attack the Block. I sculpted a few creatures for that, and, and I love when people see these movies you know it's like people are like oh i love attack the block or i love hellboy or i love you know this stuff it's it it is a good feeling to know that you're making something that that people have a positive response to you know like i love that you know i it to me this i'm you know i'm lucky because i get to make art for a living you know and it's still technically commercial art and it's still technically a job with an intense level of responsibility but when all is said and done, you know, I go to work every day and I sculpt something or I paint something or I design something or, you know, whatever it is. And, and you know, to me, that's like, great. <laughs> I feel really lucky that I've been able to do that now for, since you know, you know 1984. So I'm 30, 34 years doing this stuff, you know, so that makes me very happy. What other stuff are you working on now? Uh, well, I can't, you know, unfortunately, the way the movie business is, you can't talk about your current project. Right. You, you sign your the non-disclosure agreement, but but I'm doing a project with Spectral Motion, which is very cool, and people are going to be very <laughs> excited about it because I'm excited about it. I, it's something that I really like, and it's art that I really really like. It's based on art that I really like, but that's about all I can say because uh, you know I signed an NDA, and then I'm going to get a million dollar lawsuit for telling you guys. Well, I don't want that. No, no, you'll keep us in the you'll keep us in the loop when it comes time. Hey, Lauren is sitting over here, and I'm just curious. We haven't uh, I haven't tossed anything over to you. How about how about you? Do you are you a horror movie, monster movie kind of guy? We've never really talked about our tastes in movies. Actually. I'm not. You're not. Okay. I was, about, I was about to ask if you have a favorite uh, movie monster. Mag- he was reading a magazine while we were talking. <laughs> Actually, he just stepped back in because we're towards the end of the show. He's, he hasn't even yeah. been here. No, I'm kidding. He's been sitting here the whole time. Uh, do, yeah. Are there any like monsters that you dig or any of the characters? No. Not really. No. Any sci-fi movies that you like? Well, I love uh, the, the original Superman movie with uh, the late Christopher Reeve and, uh, and the late Margot Kidder. God bless them mm. both. Yeah, I yeah, know. Right. Two legends. We've I lost. love those movies too. Yeah, uh, that's that's genius, genius stuff. That is, that is good. Okay, well now I kind of have an idea. You know, we've never really talked movies. I don't think have we? I think no. still the Christopher the Christopher Reeves Superman. I still think is the best superhero movie that's ever been made. You know? Oh yeah. Like all these 
I, I, do, I, and I, and I mean that honestly. I don't think that that movie was, I think, was pitch perfect and like nothing. I, all the new with all the, the crazy visual effects and oh, yeah, yeah. like I still don't think I still don't think that the original Superman was touched has been touched. You know, it was opti- it was an optimistic film. It wasn't like you know they're trying to make like Superman to be kind of gritty and. The character's not really a gritty character. He's he's yeah. the best of he's Superman. Yeah, he's he's, super, he's yeah. the best of everything, you know. And he's I don't know. I'm a comic book fan too, so I I have my issues with. I I, I with love superhero I love, movies. I, I grew I, I grew up you know reading comics too, and I I still would uh, you know I I would love to get a crack at doing the Green Goblin. You know, like for me, that's my favorite you know, comic book character, you know, and it's a Halloween character. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would love to get a crack at, at doing the Green Goblin. You know, I've, hopefully one day they'll, they'll do a Green Goblin that actually looks like the Green Goblin, you know, like they well, still haven't done it. You know, speaking so. of special effects, there's, I've seen a, it was like a proof of concept version of special effects makeup where it wasn't, because in the, the Tobey Maguire version, it was basically a metallic mask that he wore, but they also did, they also were toying around with one that was actually a face appliance that you could show emotion and Mm, everything. And it looked amazing. And every time I've seen that clip of them doing the proof of concept for it, I was like, why didn't they use that? I know. It was amazing. I mean, that was beautiful. (laughs) That was done by a company called ADI. uh, Yeah. Alchemated Dynamics, you know, and like those guys, uh, coincidentally, two nights ago, they had their 30-year anniversary. I went to their 30-year anniversary party at, at the um, the Hollywood Museum at the Max Factor building on Hollywood Boulevard. Nice. But those guys are great. Tom and Alec and ADI are super cool guys. And they did that test makeup, which I thought was brilliant. I mean, it really is fantastic. And I still think it would be great to do the Green Goblin done as the Green Goblin, as what he looked like in the yeah. comic books. Like the way he was drawn by John Romita and Gil Kane, you know, and stuff. And it's like, you know, I would I, I would love to get a crack at that. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got Hollywood's ear now that you're on this show. So there you go. Hey, Nobody's listening to me. <laughs> hey, Norman, I have good news for people who are into this and would like to learn how to how to do it themselves. You teach an online course through the famous uh, Stan Winston School. You yeah. Wanna, you want to talk I, about that a little bit? Sure, sure. I, I, I um I did this, this uh, like a math sculpting class, which is done in three was done in three parts. And uh, Matt Winston, who's Stan Winston's son, is someone I've known for a while, and he was like, "I'd love for you to do a sculpting class," you know. And I was like, "Well, let me let me do a sculpting class to show people my technique for you know sculpting makeups and masks and so on and so forth." So yeah, I did this three part thing that you can get at the Stan Winston School online. Um, they do sell hard copies of it, so. It was a thing that I did as a one-shot thing, you know, and it was a blast doing it. It was a, an online live sculpting class, uh, which was offered as a streaming thing. And then they also made it available as a hard copy that you can either download or you can get an actual physical Blu-ray or DVD of it as well, you know. So if you go to the Stan Winston School online, look it up there, and, and it's, it, it basically shows you how I make a monster. So um, I had a blast doing it. It was a lot of fun. And I think you'll, you know, people, I, I got a great reaction from it. People told me they learned a lot from it. So pretty stoked that, that people got a lot out of it. You know, I, I like teaching in that respect. You know, I like kind of passing it forward. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing, you know. Wonderful. And the just to give the link or uh, the address, it's stanwinstonschool.com. And Norman's mm-hmm. there teaching. I've always liked mm-hmm. that it seems like the the special effects makeup industry is really welcoming to the next generation. You know, they mm-hmm. they they that's how they got into it and they know that there's people out there that are that are into this stuff too and it's nice that you know like you know people are willing to pass on their knowledge and kind of oh yeah teach the next that's generation. I think that's part of it. I mean, you have to I feel like I've got I got a tremendous amount of goodwill from guys like Rick Baker and Dick Smith. I mean, I wrote a letter to Dick Smith when I was a kid as well, and he responded to my letter. You know, like, I feel like, sure, if people want to learn this stuff, and, and why not show them how to do it? You know, like, I, I, I think, I think that's a, it's a great thing, and, and people are doing something uh, artistic and, 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 and something with their hands and something that's like, you know, it's 
fun, and even if you're just going to do it for a cosplay thing, you don't want to get into movies, but you want to, you know, go to a convention, you know, and blow everybody away with your cosplay outfit. You know, like, that's cool, too, you know, so you have, there's a, a lot of different outlets for that sort of thing. You sure. Know? So, and I'm glad, Kelly, you brought that up because I, I have the next generation in my household, and I've even sent Norman a little note that coming up sometime in the next few months, I'm going to be giving him a ring. And I've got, I've got my older child is extremely interested in special effects <laughs> makeup and has already been working with a nose putty and uh, mm. shaping, you know, changing the look of her face and applying makeup and, and nothing gory or gruesome. But, yeah. wow, she can, she, can, she can really do a few things, and it's That's pretty fun. Cool. And she is, like dead set at this point on that's what she wants to do so uh, yeah we'll be giving you a ring at some point when we're in los angeles <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely swing by man you know <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's you know you everyone starts somewhere you know you start right. as a fan and and you you know you get into the stuff and and you know pick up some clay and and, and sculpt a mask you know and it's great that you have she has a, a dad like you who's encouraging you know oh i, I mean, love that's it really important i'd say follow your dreams man that's what you got to do. You got to do what you want, what you want to do. Absolutely true. And you are a a great example of having done that and doing it quite successfully, which is a pretty high note to end on because looking at the clock, I could keep talking for hours. I love this stuff. And with your enthusiasm, I would love to keep the conversation going, but we're out of time, my friends. Oh man. Yeah, I know it's nuts, but, uh, it's been really a great conversation. Uh, love finding out a little bit more about you and your history. Even though I've known you a long time, a lot of the stuff was news to me today. Hearing about making monsters is just, there's not a whole lot cooler than that to me. I think that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. cool, man. Well, yeah. I had a blast, man. This was a great time. I mean, I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, do you have anything you want to like plug, like an Instagram page or website? I mean, anything? I have, if you, wanna, if you wanna follow me on Instagram, it's Norman Cabrera Monsters. Uh, at Instagram, you know, Norman Cabrera Monsters uh, okay. with hash, lower lowercase hashtags underneath. But yeah, I'm easy to find online, you know. And and I I, I my my Instagram is all uh, stuff usually that older stuff I've worked on and some newer stuff. And I you know I I keep it all about work, you know, and stuff like that. And and I keep it all about making monsters, you know. So if you want to follow me? That's where I'm at. Man. Well, right on. Send me a message through there. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, Norman, and thank you, Kelly. And as nope. always, Thanks. Lauren Mole, thank you. This is a, it's been another fun show. Cool. Awesome. It was great Good being time. here. And now, some extra Judd's Napa Valley Show podcast content. That's right. We just heard from Norman Cabrera, big-time Hollywood special effects makeup guy. And here is his band, The Ghastly Ones, and you can hear Norman on the drums. The Ghastly Ones invite you to be horrified to the point of sheer panic as they transport you to the darkest depths of the bone-chilling night. Don't be surprised if you find yourself changing from the gentle soul you are into a werewolf, evil space robot, or some other monster. Instead, just relax and enjoy the experience.
This is Lauren Bull speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Amar production.